AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. We're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical bill expert, finding savings can seem impossible. Well, HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and flags errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. So start saving with knowing where to look. Visit HealthLock.com today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. That time I met India Ari, that time I went on a really bad date. That time I was directed by Robert Townsend. That time I got mono on Thanksgiving. I went on a really bad Christmas tour. That time, time I, I, hey y'all, welcome back to Her with Amina Brown. And I feel like this episode, last episode, and possibly the next two episodes all just feel like a series of me telling y'all my business. (laughs) So, hey, if that's what you come to this podcast for, if you come here because you wanted to know my business, then you have entered here at a good time because apparently something in my spirit is bringing up episode ideas that mean I need to come in here and tell y'all my business. But truthfully, that's what the Her Living Room is for, right? That's how I come to the living room with my girlfriends. I arrive, you know, at their houses, you know, of course, in the before times, but now like slowly but surely as like I'm now fully vaccinated and my friends are getting fully vaccinated. We're able to get back to having our in-person living room, which is so wonderful. 
And we just show up. If you dress cute, okay. If you're not, okay. If you just, you know, in your sweatpants and your dirty sneakers and you got half a thing of hummus and I got, you know, a third of a bell pepper, then we bring what we got to the table, to the couch, to wherever we are. We light a candle and we start talking. And so that's what I hope these episodes are like for you all. So thank you for listening. Today we are talking about that time I went to therapy. And specifically, I'm talking today about the first time I ever went to therapy. I was talking with someone recently that has never been to therapy, and it sort of made me go back in my own journey of thinking about what it was that led me to actually go to therapy, what that experience was like. So maybe you're listening and you've never been to therapy and you've kind of been thinking about going, and I'm hoping that the things I say don't discourage you. (laughs) I'm hoping the things I say encourage you to go to therapy. So I went to therapy for the first time when I was 25 years old. And I'll tell you the interesting story of what led to me going to therapy. So if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you have heard me tell you the story of how I got hired to work in corporate America at 25 years old. And I thought that was going to be super amazing because it was the first time that I was getting paid to be a writer. And I discovered within six months of being there that I hated that job. And so around this time in my life, there were a lot of things swirling. I was working my first, what felt like my first real job. It wasn't quite my first real job. I'd had some real jobs before this one, but this was what felt like my first, you know, grown-up job where I went and bought my first suits to wear to work. Around this time, I had also left a church for the first time. And any of you that grew up in church or that may have attended church may have had this experience, which is a terrible one. I'm not going to lie about it. I had started going to a church when I first moved to Atlanta for college and attended that church all through college and right up into my mid-20s. And at the early parts of that, it was what felt like a wonderful and beautiful experience. It was a church full of so many young people and it had so much energy. We were all you know, wanting to be a part of this, you know, movement for God type of things. And then things over time just got more and more and more unhealthy with the leadership there to the point that it caused me and a lot of other people that were going to the church to have to leave it. And this is all happening around the same time. I think I left the church within a few months. I got this new job. So I'm just kind of out of my element, really. I am very much a church girl. I'm sure if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you have gotten those vibes. I grew up in church most of my life. So at this time in my mid-20s, this is the first time that I'm just not really attending church. I just decided to take a complete break from church because prior to that, I had been very busy in church. I mean, I was almost at church to the point that that could have been like another job or another part-time job that I had in addition to my regular job. And so I just took a break. It was my first time since I was 12 or 13 years old that I didn't attend church, that I wasn't in leadership at church, that I didn't have church meetings to go to. And so I think I'm giving you all of this to tell you sort of what was swirling around at the time that I actually start going to therapy. Another thing that I realized at this moment is that I really want to start dating. And I didn't really date in high school. I think I went on one date in high school, and that was not including prom. 
I didn't date at all in college. And so by the time I got to be 24, 25, especially when I started working this job, that was my first time being around other people who were my same age and hearing their dating stories, their dating exploits, and realizing that I was not having that experience at all. And I felt very inexperienced as far as dating was concerned, right? And so I'm like, okay, here I am. I'm like a grown woman. I had been going to a church that was very patriarchal, right? So it was basically like, as a single woman at the church at the time, if I had decided to date someone, I needed to bring this man I was dating to my college ministry leader, and he had to approve. And then I was supposed to bring this man I was dating to another leader of the church, and then to the pastor. And if they all three of these men said that it was okay for me to date this man, then I could date him. And what that robbed me of that I didn't realize at the time is it robbed me of my own ability to discern for myself, my own ability to discern, is this man a safe man to be around? Is this man someone who wants to be committed to me or even wants to be in a relationship, like before I take you through all this, you know, whatever, what do I feel about it? What do I think about it when I go in my own spirituality and talk to God? What am I feeling is the right thing for me to do to move forward? So giving you all of this to say, I am feeling very much fish out of water in this moment. I'm working my first, what feels like my first grown job. I'm out of my church bubble, right? And as I'm meeting people at work and other places, I'm starting to go out and have social activities with people that I don't go to church with. And I know to some of you, this just sounds completely strange, you know, but I want to express to you how much of a bubble church had been for me, that church was not just the place where I was, you know, practicing my religion or being encouraged in my faith. It was also pretty much the center of my social life, right? So at the moment that I'm leaving this church environment, I'm not just, you know, having to walk away from a place that I thought was going to be good for my faith. I'm also walking away from my social life as well. So I am just out with people I work with, out with friends I've met online at happy hours when I was coming from a church where we weren't even allowed to drink, right? So I'm starting to meet some guys and just almost feeling very stunted inside myself, feeling like my age is 25, but my reaction to dating men is as if I'm like 14 dating a boy for the first time, you know? And I was trying. I was trying. I was going on different dates. Sometimes they were going well. Most times they weren't. I was very uncomfortable, even with the thought of like sitting across the table at coffee or at dinner with a man that I found attractive. And to give you some context, I had also been raised as a child in church environments that basically sort of gave you two extremes, you know, that you either were, in my case, having a guy that was more like a brother to you, or you were getting married. (laughs) It was sort of like there was no, there was no middle ground. There was no conversation about how you casually date someone is basically like you do these two things and, you know, if you don't do it this way, it's dangerous or it's sinful or all of those types of thoughts. So I really had 
no middle ground, no nuance as it related to dating. But I wanted to date and I wanted to be in a good and healthy relationship with a man. I really did. So I would go out on dates and have crushes. And the job where I was working, there were three other women that were hired in that same position in the company. And so we all four of us kind of became two peas in a pod. We were very like, you know, we felt like we were like the United Colors of Benetton. You know, there was one other Black woman, there was a Korean woman, and then there was a white woman. There's four of us. We would hang out and each of us at different stages. None of us were married, but each of us at different stages between some of us having been in very committed dating relationships for a long time and some of us still out there casually dating. And there was one coworker in particular of the four of us, the other Black woman. She and I, our cubicles were closest to each other. And I can't remember exactly the circumstances, y'all, but I remember I'd met a guy and we were just starting to talk on the phone. And I, it was just making me very nervous talking to him. And I was coming in her cube a lot to talk to her about it and processing and processing and processing and over-processing and couldn't figure out what to do about this, what to do about that. And this is not the first dating situation she's heard me kind of try to process. And I just remember one afternoon she looked at me and she said, you know what? I don't really think I can help you figure this out. I think what you need is to go to therapy. And I remember sitting in her cubicle, sitting across from her, I remember my face just feeling hot because I felt embarrassed, because I couldn't tell what it was I'd said to her that made her feel like I needed to go to therapy. And I was somewhere between feeling embarrassed and insulted and really thankful and helped. I talked to her a little bit longer, and then I went right to my cubicle and started Googling options of therapists to find. And I looked up a couple of them, I think, after work. I called a couple of the ones that I picked out. And I talked, I remember I talked to a man, I talked to a woman. And the woman, she was an older white woman. And I don't know, I just felt the most comfortable with her. And so I made my first therapy appointment with her after we talked on the phone for maybe 10 or 15 minutes. She had a very soothing voice. And I don't know, it just felt like safe and right to me. So I made an appointment with her. And one of the things that she asked for before my first appointment is she asked me to write her a letter. And in the letter, she wanted me to write what were the areas of my life where I hoped to grow during therapy. And I remember getting home I was in my apartment, my first apartment, all by myself. Didn't have any roommates or housemates or anything. So I was really proud of that little apartment. I was proud of my little faux granite countertops in there. And I remember being in that apartment. And I think, y'all, I think I actually, I'm trying to remember, did I handwrite that letter? I think I may have handwritten that letter. And I remember handwriting it and crying while I was handwriting it because just sort of sitting down to think about what are areas I hope to experience healing in, what are areas that have been painful to me 
that I really haven't had time or the tools to process. And it just all started coming out at once. Everything about the church, about God, about my parents' divorce, about things that I was, you know, processing from my family of origin. I just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. And then I think, (laughs) this is so old school now, y'all. I could have typed it up, but for some reason, I think I hand wrote it. And I think I, I actually think I hand wrote it and she either asked me to send a copy to her or I scanned it and sent the copy to her that way. (laughs) Now I'm just like, why wouldn't you just email this? But anyways... I sent all that to her, and I can't even remember actually all of what we talked about in that first session, but I remember being nervous about it because it is a very weird feeling to just start talking about such intimate things with a stranger, but I made this commitment to myself to, you know, come and see her every other week. That was the schedule. And honestly, I was at what I now know was such a pivotal time in my development because there was so much of my life that had been built around church and around what church had told me that I had to be as a woman, as a young woman, as a Black woman. There were a lot of layers to that. And she was helping me work through a lot of that very early on. And when I think back on it, The idea that you would have a friend that would look at you and say, I think you need to go to therapy. It's like, depending on where you are, you know, your first instinct could be to be defensive, to be like, why? Why would you say that about me? What's wrong with me? I mean, any of you that are fans of Insecure, and if you're not, I hope you watch it. But there is a scene between two characters, between Issa and Molly in one of the seasons where Issa is trying to convince Molly that she needs to go to therapy. And Molly doesn't take it very well at first. And when I watched that scene, I totally felt her on that, you know. And the coworker that had this moment with me, you know, we've lost touch outside of seeing her on Facebook every now and then. But I am so thankful that she had the courage to say that to me because it really did change my life for the better because I don't know if I ever would have pushed myself to do it. But when she said it, even though I felt embarrassed, I also felt like she wasn't telling a lie. I felt like it was true. So, you know, you may have a friend in your life that you are close to. You're watching them go through some hard things. You're watching them struggle. You're watching them maybe have some unhealthy patterns. And it can be the most loving thing to suggest to someone therapy. And it can be the most loving thing you can do for yourself to submit to the process of therapy. But it can also be hard. I think you have to prepare yourself if you are talking to a friend or a family member and you suggest to them therapy. Not everyone is going to respond with, oh, thank you so much. I I have always longed for someone to tell me that I have problems enough that I need to see a professional. But that's the thing, right? I think sometimes we have this stigma about therapy like, Like, well, I'm air quotes normal or, you know, I'm fine. Therapy is for those people that are going through this or those people that have this diagnosis or whatever. And therapy is for those people, but therapy is for you too. Even when you feel, you may feel like your life is going pretty well overall. You know, you may feel 
almost guilty, like, why do I, why should I go to therapy and complain about my life or whatever? But therapy is not about that, I learned. It's really about giving yourself the space and time to heal. And sometimes, honestly, we go through things or we experience things in our upbringing or in different times of our life, and they are very hard things. They're very traumatic things, but they become normal to us. So we don't think about it like, I maybe ought to go to therapy based on my relationship with this person, or maybe I should go to therapy and process this thing that happened when I was a kid because that was just your family growing up, or that was just what happened. You don't always see yourself in the same way that someone else can see you from the outside looking in. So it was totally a very humbling and somewhat embarrassing moment that led me to therapy. But I'm glad that I went ahead and took that initiative and looked into it for myself. How did I grow from therapy? I think one of the things, actually my first therapist, I saw her every other week for a year and a half. So she walked me through a lot of life. I mean, we were obviously sort of having to deal with a lot of things from the past because it was my first therapy session at 25 years old. And then once we had talked about a lot of sort of these pent up things that I really hadn't had a healthy way to process before with a professional, then I was able to kind of let her in on things that were going on in my life, you know, men I was dating or decisions I was trying to make about my career and different things like that. And I think one of the things that therapy helped me to do was therapy helped me to find my voice. You know, I am a classic oldest kid. I am very much a person that can lean towards people pleasing and going to therapy helped me to really separate myself and my desires from the expectations and feelings of other people. And that was really, really hard. I remember a lot of our sessions were about me saying to my therapist, well, here's the conversation I have, or here's what they said, and I don't want to make them feel angry, or I don't want to make them feel hurt. I don't want to make them feel like I don't care. So even though I don't want to do this, or even though this isn't the best thing for me, I'm going to do that because I don't want this person to feel like that. And I remember the first time my therapist said, but you realize that you don't make anyone feel anything, right? She was like, you realize that people feel their feelings and make their own choices. That you deciding to do something that's healthy for you, it's not you making someone angry because you doing what's healthy for you doesn't meet their expectation. She was like, it's them choosing to be angry that you holding up your healthy boundary means you're not doing what they expected of you or what they selfishly wanted from you. And I will tell y'all that sometimes, you know, I've now had quite a few therapists over the years. And I'll tell you that sometimes my initial gut response to the things my therapist says in session is like super skeptical. (laughs) That I basically end up being like, yeah, girl, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not sure if like you actually went to the proper school for this. Like, I feel like maybe they didn't give you the education that you needed because I thought you were supposed to come in here and just tell me what I want to hear, not like challenge me to grow and stuff. Like, I don't, I'm not sure that's what I signed up for here. So I have definitely been the person that enters a therapy session My therapist starts kicking the truth to me. 
And then, <laughs> then I'll be like, okay, girl, well, I don't think you really understand what it's like to be me. And then by the end of the session, I'm like, you were right the first thing that you said because my feelings, they are hurt and not <laughs> Like, that's totally me. Like, starts off super, super skeptical, super like, you don't know. And then like 30 minutes later, when she's trying to tell me it's about time for us to end the session, like crying my eyes out because the first thing she said was actually true. So I feel like therapy helped me in that way, even though it's challenging, right, to hear someone saying those things to you. Therapy helped me to learn how to say no. Saying no, it still can be hard for me sometimes, but back then it was very, very hard for me to say no, especially if they were people that I really loved and cared about. I would rather say no to myself and say yes to them. And it's therapy that helped me begin the rhythm of learning that sometimes I need to say yes to myself and that saying yes to myself, even if it means no to other people, is one of the healthiest things I can do. And I was not coming into therapy with that kind of rhythm. I basically felt like, you know, I needed, especially if people are, you know, important to me or I value, you know, their thoughts or opinions, I I need to, I need to really do what they say. They they probably know better than me. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have people in your life that are wise, can advise you, can, you know, give you feedback on things, but I think going to therapy is what really taught me to make sure that in the process of me gaining, you know, wisdom and advice from other people, that I'm not silencing the wisdom that's inside of me, that no one else knows me better than I know myself. And of course, in my spirituality, it's like only person know me better than myself is God. There's no human being that's going to know me better than I know myself. And if I honor my own voice and my own feelings and desires, that's me being loving towards myself. That's me being kind and gentle to myself. I'll also say one of the things that therapy helped me with is giving me the tools on what it means to have to have hard conversations. And I think because, you know, I was growing up in a home without my dad, I was growing up, you know, coming from divorced parents, you know, I think that brought up a lot of fears of doing something that would make the people that love me leave me. I think that was like a thought under there, but I didn't realize that until I was sitting there in therapy. And so I would avoid conflict because I would feel like if we have conflict, then the results of us having conflict will be, you're going to leave. And therapy taught me it's okay to have those kinds of hard conversations with people you love. And the people who love you the people who really want the best for you, like they're going to dig in on those hard conversations with you because they don't want to leave. They want you to be well. They want you to have what you need and want. And they want to have what they need and want in the relationship or friendship or family relationship, whatever it is, or even work relationships too. I think therapy helped me to realize I can speak up for myself. I can assert myself if something happens and I don't like it, or if I'm in a relationship or a situation and someone is treating me in a way that I don't like, that I I am empowered to say, I don't like it. I don't want this. This doesn't feel good to me. Here's what I'd rather do instead. And it took me being in therapy to get to the point where I could do those things and not feel bad about it or not feel like I was being demanding. I think that was my thing. It was almost like asserting my own boundaries just healthy boundaries 
felt like being demanding to me, when in actuality it wasn't being demanding at all. It was just asking for what I deserve as another human being, you know? If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Since this time, after I had that initial therapy session, I have gone on to have other therapists since. And I just kind of ebb and flow out of that. I go through some seasons where I'm in therapy on a much more consistent basis. I go through some seasons where I would go to therapy once a month. I go through some seasons where I didn't go to therapy at all. I've done in-person therapy. I've done online therapy. So I've had a lot of different experiences. I have had some funny ones, though. And sometimes when funny things happen to me, it's like I can't tell if those things happen to me because I'm... (laughs) (laughs) because I have like that 
you know, ignorant part of my brain that people who are comedians or who perform on stage have or what. But I did participate in online therapy for a while. And those of you that have been listening to this podcast know that I actually returned back to therapy around end of 2017, beginning of 2018. And I I talk more about this in, actually talk a little bit about it in the previous episode of my 40 AF story. But I also talked about this at length in my Behind the Poetry episode on Here Breathing. And at this time, I want to talk a little bit too about therapy being expensive. I've definitely had some seasons of life where I really wanted to be in therapy, felt like I needed it, but I just couldn't afford it, you know? And in that way, it is important to acknowledge that therapy, it, therapy, I will say, it shouldn't be a luxury because we need therapists in our life the same way we need access to healthcare and being able to make sure our bodies are cared for. We need that for our mental state, our mental health as well, you know. But I've gone through seasons like that where I really needed a therapist, but I couldn't afford to have one. When I first started therapy, I was working in corporate America. I was living alone. You know, I was really making more money than I needed to live at that time. And so going to therapy every other week, or if I wanted to go every week, I could afford to do it at that time. And then when I quit working corporate and started doing writing and performing full time, There would be seasons I could, and then there would be seasons I couldn't afford therapy. And that's also a hard thing, too. That's a thing that I hope changes. I hope that, and we're, you know, seeing some ways that there are organizations and different ways that we're trying to make therapy truly accessible to all because we can all look at our own lives and think of things that we need to talk about it. You know, we need a professional to help us process through this, you know. And we all know other people that we wish they had therapy that was accessible to them to help them heal through some of their own things. But one of my funniest therapy experiences, I was doing online therapy, one of these services where like you sign up and you know, you're know you able to either do phone calls or video calls with your therapist, but you can also write to them or text to them, right? And so I had signed up for one of these and it was a little different than the way they are now. Back then, the price point was actually saving me money. Like I could afford it more easily than I, you know, could have afforded just the therapy sessions one-on-one. So I signed up for this. And at this point and ever since, I've been very determined that my therapist should be a Black woman, especially after having worked in all white spaces or predominantly white spaces. I've realized, you know, I need a therapist that I can talk to about how white supremacy affects me, talk to about, you know, how I'm processing being a Black woman, you know, having my hair, being in my body and my skin in the world. And there's just been something very healing to me to be talking about that with another Black woman who understands a lot, you know, in her own way of what it's like to walk in the world this way. So... I had my first assigned therapist. It was assigned to me through this online service. And, you know, she really helped me, actually. If you listen to the last episode, I was telling this story about grief. And she was really one of the first people to alert me that a lot of what I was experiencing when my mental health was not in a good place was because I had a lot of unprocessed grief. And she was the first Uh, therapist to really name that for me and help me to start thinking through that. But (laughs) 
the downside to her is whenever we had our sessions, she was always busy doing a little bit of something else. Like one of our sessions, someone rang the doorbell to give her a package, but I'm like hearing the whole thing. So apparently, of course, she's doing her sessions from home. So I'm hearing her like, who is that at the door? Who is that? I was not expecting anybody while I'm like spilling my guts here. So I'm listening to her like open the door, (laughs) talk to the delivery person, sign whatever. So I was like, okay, you know, she's at home. She can't control if the package got delivered. You know, I'm going to try to like move on and try another session. So the next session that I tried, y'all, I'm going to try to demonstrate for y'all what it sounded like. So I'm spilling my guts about whatever. And in the background, I want y'all to know that I hear something that sounds like this. I hear that in the background, y'all, while I'm trying to share my feelings, okay? So after a while, I kind of get quiet just because (laughs) I don't know what's going on. And she finally says, oh, I'm sorry. I'm babysitting my grandson, and he normally doesn't keep this type of noise. And at that moment, I was like, okay, this lady seems very sweet, but she cannot be my therapist. You cannot be babysitting your grandson while having therapy with me while I'm trying to tell you about all my woes and whatever is going on with me. Like, girl, (laughs) I can't. I can't deal with this. No. So I did have some very comical times of experiencing various therapists for sure. But one thing that I also will say that therapy has taught me over the years is, you know, it's wonderful to have just a great support system overall. You need that too. And I have to say, I'm just very thankful, very blessed to have, you know, a wonderful and supportive spouse. I have a wonderful, supportive family. I have great friends in my life. Like my community is wonderful. And there are times that you're going to go through something, experience something, have something resurface that your friends or your family or your spouse like may not have the capacity to really help you in the way that you need help. And that's what my coworker was trying to tell me. I think she was trying to say like, girl, I can process this with you in the cubicle. You know, we can talk it over, girl, but you're reaching beyond what I have the expertise to help you with. And even though it can feel strange going to like this stranger to talk to them about these really deep and personal things. It's also nice to talk to someone that doesn't have any skin in the game, right? Like if you're going there to talk about some stuff you're going through, you might have people in your life that love you, but they have strong opinions about what they think you ought to do about this. Or they have strong opinions about why they think you ended up in this situation. And when you go into your therapist, especially if your therapist is healthy and professional and, you know, doing the things that they should do, you're going to somebody who has no skin in the game if you buy the house or not. They have no skin in the game if you break up with that person or not. They have no skin in the game if you have kids, if you don't have kids, if you get married, if you don't get married. They don't have skin in the game on that. They are there to be a sounding board for you to help you continue on in your healing process. And I learned that from being in therapy too. What would be my tips for anyone going to therapy for the first time? So if you're listening and maybe you've been on the fence, maybe you've talked to some other folks about 
their experience is going to therapy, but you've never been yourself. What would be my tips for going to therapy for the first time? I think one of the most daunting things about going to therapy for the first time, or even if you've been to therapy before and you're no longer seeing your previous therapist and you need a new therapist, I think one of the most daunting things is finding a therapist that works for you. And it can just feel like you have a thousand options. Where do you begin? Where do you start? How do you know? Do you just sign up? And just go pay somebody. And what if you don't like them? <laughs> you know, or what if you feel like they're not the best fit for you or whatever? So my first tip that I would say is first of all, make a commitment to yourself to find a therapist and give yourself some patience that it may take you some time to find someone. I remember when I was looking for a gynecologist, I know we're not talking about that on this episode, but I'm just using this as an example. I realized a couple of years ago you know, I really need to have, I know some of y'all like, this is basic, but I'm explaining to you how, you know, we can have these types of appointments or things that we need. And we just kind of keep pushing it back, keep pushing it back and eventually just have to decide like, okay, this is what I need to do now. So I remember when I was like, okay, like I've, you know, been to a family practitioner, doctor, you know, I've had some surgeries, I've done this, I've done that, you know, it's certain other parts of the body have been looked at, but hey, I need a gynecologist. And there's a lot of factors of what I want to find in a gynecologist. And so I just had to make it my part-time job (laughs) for a week or two that I would spend a certain amount of time just, you know, looking through our insurance website to see who was in network and then going to their websites and cross-reference with Yelp. I know it's a lot, but this is what I do so I can be sure about it, okay? And so when it comes to finding a therapist, I think It's okay that it may take you time to find someone that you're a good fit with. And thankfully, there are a lot more resources out there. There are lots and lots of resources, but I'm just going to name some that I know of and that have been helpful to me. And maybe these will even give you ideas of other things that you may be able to search and find. And don't worry about remembering all of this. These links will be in the show notes on aminabrown.com slash her with Amina so that you can check out all these links Um, One of the places I found one of my first therapists was on the Psychology Today website. And they do have uh, this database there where therapists and counselors can register to be listed there. You can search by their specialty. So you may be looking for a family counselor. You may be looking for a therapist for a teenager in your life. You may be looking for someone that specializes in trauma-informed therapy. You may be looking for someone that specializes in divorce, right? Or specializes in working with folks who are in the LGBTQ plus community, right? There are all sorts of different things you can search there according to what your comfort level is, according to what you know you're looking for. So Psychology Today can be a really great resource for that. I want to give a big, big shout out to Therapy for Black Girls. This is actually where I found my current therapist is on Therapy for Black Girls. And so they do have a database, Black women, if you're listening, and you're looking for uh, therapists that are really specialized in being able to give this type of care to Black women. Uh, That has been a very helpful site for me. And honestly, just scrolling through there and seeing the beautiful faces of other Black women, just even that by itself was so wonderful. And I would also check out Therapy for Latinx. You can check out their website as well as their Instagram. They can be a great beginning place to find folks who are going to be really 
uh, educated and thoughtful about giving this type of care to the Latinx community as well. And these are just a couple of things I'm listing. I know that there are probably even more resources out there, but these are good places to start and give you some ideas of other things you can Google, right? You may find some other places that would give you information like this. Also want to give a shout out to Open Path Collective. A friend of mine also hipped me to this because as I was saying earlier, therapy can be cost prohibitive for some folks. I'm shouting out Open Path Collective because they do also have a database of therapists on their site who have agreed to take on a certain number of clients at a discounted rate. You may also have uh, local places where you live that uh, are taking clients, but are taking them at a sliding scale based on income. So uh, we have a lot more work to do to make therapy accessible, but there are some ways that you can get the help that you need, even if you're at a place where you know money is not really a thing that you have to give to this. So it may require a little bit of searching. And uh, if you find that you're in a, in a space inside yourself where even the Googling, the looking is difficult for you, This could be something where if you have a close friend or family member that would be willing to sit with you maybe while you're searching or, you know, they might be able to pull up their phone too and look for some things, you know, it's okay to ask for help when you need it. And it's okay to ask for the kind of support that you need as well. Uh, The other tip that I would give if it's your first time going into therapy is I would say that it's okay to do some therapist interviews. I know the first times I went to different websites of therapists. And I would just get really nervous. Like, what if I click on this and I pay this money for this session? And then I don't really, you know, gel with the therapist. So one of the things that I did the last couple of times I was looking for a therapist is once I found them, I would go to their website. And a lot of therapists already have these types of requests on their site where you can request just an informational interview. It's not a therapy session. It's not a mini therapy session or anything like that. They're not giving you any sort of counsel or therapy in this interview call that you have. It's typically free of charge and gives you an opportunity to ask them some questions and gives them an opportunity to get to know you a little bit, to get to know what is bringing you to want therapy. And so that's been really helpful for me because normally if I walk away from that conversation feeling like, "Uh, I don't know, then that normally means that person's probably not the best fit for me. But even if you go to a therapist's website and they don't have any like free uh, conversations or consultations that are normally pretty short, 15 or 30 minutes, you can also write in and request and say, you know, I'm in the process of looking for a therapist. I would like to schedule an informational interview with you. And in that interview, what would typically happen is you would bring your questions that you have, questions like maybe you want to know how they typically begin their work with new clients. Maybe you want to know what you can expect from a session. Maybe you want to know if there is certain prep that you should do before a session. Maybe you want to know what their education is or what their background is, what they specialize in, the types of patients that they or types of clients that they typically see. Um, Depending on what your needs are, you may want to know, are they in the type of field where they can prescribe medication to you if you need that or not? Um, Those are important things to differentiate as well if you are in need of a psychologist or if you are in need of a psychiatrist, right? So it's just about you knowing what your needs are, but there are a lot of professionals that are interested in you feeling comfortable 
and getting a chance to, you know, answer your own, get your own questions answered rather. And also uh, they can get some answers from you, you know, get to know a little bit about you, get to know a little bit about what your expectations are, what your needs and wants might be at the moment. So don't be afraid to do that. That's sort of a no cost way for you to kind of get a vibe for who you might like to actually have as your therapist. And that has brought me a lot of peace of mind and helped me to decide between a couple of therapists. Lastly, what encouragement would I want to give you regarding therapy, especially if this is your first time or it could be your first time in a long time? And I think therapy can be scary. I think it's scary because we are thinking about how it's going to feel to sort of drudge up some of the things that therapy may bring up. It can be scary because of the unknown factor. You know, here we are talking to this person that we're just now meeting about stuff that we wouldn't even talk to a lot of people that we know about, you know. It can be scary. And I think there is a lot of unknown in the healing process. But my biggest encouragement to you is therapy is, it's one of the best things that you can do to pour back into yourself And I want to specifically speak to those of you that are listening right now that are the people that give out to everyone else. You're the person that other people come to for advice. You're the one that drops everything to go help out this or that family member. And when you commit to that hour or so of that therapy session, it's one way that you're communicating to yourself that I am worth giving this time to myself. I'm worth allowing myself to heal and to process things, even if they're painful And it can be hard to face our pain. There's nothing easy about that. There's nothing fun about that. But if facing your pain and facing the hard things that have happened to you or the hard things that you may have done in your life, whatever it is that you have to face, you know, it can be hard to face it. But on the other side of facing it and beginning to process it and getting the tools for how to walk through your life, you'll find that you are a healthier person on the other side of it. You'll find that your heart is more open to love and to be loved. And that love starts with you. It starts with how you love yourself, you giving that kindness to yourself, you giving the same energy that you may give to other people, you returning that energy to yourself also. So will it be scary? Could it be hard at times going through the healing process? Absolutely. But is it worth it? It is absolutely worth it. And the tough thing, but also... Uh, The important thing I think to remember is none of us as human beings are ever going to be fully done with issues to deal with. That's just a part of our humanity. We're always going to have something that we're healing from, you know? And so therapy and whatever other, you know, things you have in your life that can help you in healthy ways to process your life, to process the pain, but also to process the joy and process the good things that happens too. Um, I think it's important to have that space. It's good. And it can be really helpful to remember that. So that way you're not putting pressure on yourself. Like you've got to complete this plan that's going to be 33 steps. And at the end of the 33 steps, you'll be done with this. You know, there'll be some things in life you may never be done with it, but you'll find yourself incrementally growing, becoming more whole, experiencing more peace, sleeping better at night, and so on. So even though there's been a lot of shame and stigma to therapy, there's been some shame and stigma attached to medication and and certain diagnoses and all those things, I, I want to be a part of us removing that shame 
and that you should do whatever you need to do to take care of yourself, whether it's therapy or medication or exploring different types of therapy. You have a lot of options. But if you're hearing me and you're on the fence about this, I hope you feel encouraged to do what you can to take care of yourself because we want you here. And we want you here healthy and whole and being kind and loving to yourself. That's my that time I went to therapy and y'all, I'm still going. (laughs) I'm still going to be going. I'm not going to be done with therapy the rest of my life. I will still be going. And if that's something you need in your life right now, I hope you will too. For this week's edition of Give Her a Crown, I want to shout out Dr. Shaniqua Walker-Barnes. Dr. Shaniqua is a clinical psychologist, public theologian, and ecumenical minister whose work focuses upon healing the legacies of racial and gender oppression. She's the author of I Bring the Voices of My People, A Womanist Vision for Racial Reconciliation, and Too Heavy a Yoke, Black Women and the Burden of Strength. You should read both of these books because they are necessary, but I want to talk a little bit about Too Heavy a Yoke. I've talked here on this podcast about just some of the health challenges I have, having been someone that was diagnosed with fibroids around 10 years ago. And I spoke in my last episode, my 40 AF story, telling you all a little bit about what that moment of my life was like, having to have a very uh, invasive and complicated fibroid removal surgery. And I had a long recovery. And during that recovery, I read three books. I read Edna Lewis's cookbook slash memoir, The Taste of Country Cooking. I read... Sisters of the Yam by Bell Hooks, and I read Dr. Shaniqua's book, Too Heavy a Yoke. And I just have a lot of feelings about Too Heavy a Yoke because it really started a journey with me of understanding that it's not that it's bad for me to be strong as a Black woman. It's that as a Black woman, I will enter so many spaces that people expect me to be, air quotes, strong through things and take certain things that I don't need to take and that it's okay for me to be also weak sometimes. It's okay for me to not have the answers. It's okay for me to make sure that I'm not doing other people's work for them, whether that's their emotional work, their vocational work, their work as it relates to racism and white supremacy, too Heavy a Yoke really got me to a place of really reevaluating my life. And after reading that book, I made a lot of different choices. I said no to a lot of people and a lot of things in an effort to remind myself that being a Black woman doesn't mean I need to be some sort of superhero. It means I need to be human and beautiful and flawed and that I want to be healthy and that I want to be here living as long as I can be but it will be detrimental to my health if I feel like I have to be strong for everybody. So if you're a Black woman listening, this is a book you need in your library to heavy a yoke. And if you are working with Black women, you are serving or walking alongside Black women in any capacity, I really, really recommend this book because it is very wonderful and very important. I want to thank you, Dr. Shaniqua, for caping for Black women the way you do for reminding us that we can be healthy and whole, that we deserve healing, rest, love, and restoration. Dr. Shaniqua Walker-Barnes, give 
her a crown. That time I met India Ari, that time I went on a really bad date. That time I was directed by Robert Townsend. That time I got mono on Thanksgiving. That time I went on a really bad Christmas tour. That time I... I, Her with Amina Brown is produced by Matt Owen for Soul Graffiti Productions as a part of the Seneca Women Podcast Network in partnership with iHeartRadio. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.